I'm going to invite you in for a Friday evening service and tell you to stop going to church. That's going to turn out really well. Well, I do want to say hi to anybody that is live streaming with us. Um, we are live streaming tonight because we know we've got some folks that um, either don't drive after dark or just weren't able to be here and uh, wanted to join us in that way. And so hello to you all who might be watching now or might watch back later. It's good to see you. Here's the thing. I don't like it when we can't meet together. I know there are elements of a Sunday off that are appealing to some of us. I get that. Uh, I will be honest with you, knowing that I didn't have to worry about the sidewalks until later on Sunday or Monday when we made the call to cancel last weekend, that was a relief because it really like it bugs me if they're not clear. And so we, we get out there and um, we did that Monday and Tuesday. We did some shoveling. We even did some yesterday to try to prep for uh, for the snow that came yesterday, trying to make sure the sidewalks were good for tonight. Um, but I'm telling you, I just, I just don't like it when we can't meet together. I am refreshed and encouraged meeting with all of you each week. And so my week ended up feeling weird. I don't know if yours was like that. It was just off because we didn't meet together. I've struggled to know what day it is because, yes, it was Sunday when I started my week, but it didn't feel like Sunday. But I do appreciate everybody who tuned in via Facebook Live. Um, we had upwards of 50 people watching live at one time during Sunday morning's broadcast, which was awesome. And then I know a lot of you have watched it back later. In fact, as I, as I wrote this yesterday morning, according to Facebook stats, it was viewed almost 800 times. Now, that doesn't account for the fact that some people had it autoplay on their timeline. If you have Facebook, you know what that looks like. Um, and it doesn't account for the fact that some people probably watched for 30 seconds and then stopped. But it was pretty cool to see that you all cared enough to stay connected in that way when we had to cancel church on a Sunday. And honestly, for some reason, I was nervous about it because the camera's back there every Sunday, and we live stream a service every Sunday, but in my living room with just me and that camera, um, was a, I don't know why, it was weird. But I loved, I loved being able to gather with you that, in that way in, in light of the fact that we couldn't meet in this way. In fact, some of you may not realize this, but we actually have people who regularly keep up with us from a distance. We have folks that tune in on the regular that, that don't live around here or don't live around here anymore. We have a group of folks who live in Arkansas who gather together to worship with us, and they sing with us, and they have communion prepped there and ready for them, and they take communion along with us, and they discuss the sermon. I've started sending them our small group discussions, and uh, it's been really cool to stay connected with them in that way. We've even gotten a little international sometimes. We live-streamed our Christmas Eve service for the first time, really that was only a few weeks ago, which feels crazy, but we, we live stream Christmas Eve, and so Ken and Anita Hoke, missionaries to West Africa and, and former staff here, they, they were able to join us for that service live stream because it was at a weird time that worked for them, and they were able to have the, the internet connection they needed to join us all the way from West Africa. And so that was cool to be able to connect with them in that way. And I think we know that, that our gathering together, that church is about more than just being physically here, but it's about connecting and encouraging one another and learning and challenging one another and growing. And we can accomplish a lot of those things by meeting together, and I believe even accomplish some of those things to an extent if you watch the video, if you live stream with us in that way. And I think we know that those things are important, but sometimes I think we function, we live as if all that matters is that we go to church. And we'll say that phrase, right? We'll say, I go to church. I can't make plans on Sunday, I go to church. I can't meet you for lunch until 1230 because I go 
to church. I, I go to church. Do you go to church anywhere? I go to church. You should come with me. You should go to church too. And it doesn't take much for our going to church to not look or sound all that different than other things we go to. I'm going to the Redskins game this weekend. I'm sorry, Redskins fans. It's the NFC Championship. They're not theirs. I couldn't help it. As a Browns fan, I know that's just the way it is sometimes. I'm going to a concert. I'm going to the store. I'm going to get gas. I'm going out to lunch. And in all of those things, there is what I would call a point of accomplishment. Now, what I mean by that is if I'm going out to lunch, once I've gotten there and eaten lunch, I've accomplished what I set out to do. If I'm going to the store, if I get to the store and I get what I need, I've accomplished what I set out to do. If I'm going to a concert when it's over and I go home, I've accomplished what I set out to do. And so if I go to church and I sit through the service and I go home, have I accomplished what I set out to do? Well, if what I've set out to do is simply to go to church, then I suppose I did. But should that be all I set out to do? And so if I go to church and that's all it is, have I accomplished the goal? That depends. And so Pastor Craig Rochelle, he said it this way, and I've borrowed some of his thoughts today to combine with my own study because he hit the nail on the head. I first read him say this, and I said, he's a genius. Here's what he said. He said, God's highest calling for you was never going to church. God's goal for you was never to get to the point where you regularly went to church. That's not it. It was never God's highest calling for you to show up to a physical building once a week and sit through a church service. God's highest calling for you and for me was never for us to, to go to a place, but instead for us to look like Jesus. Not to go to church, but to be planted in the body of Christ, to be the church, to be a shining light in a dark world. God's highest calling is for us to be planted in the church and then sent out into the world. Instead of going to church, we are called to be the church. And while to truly be the church, I think we need to go to church. That's not enough. So what does it mean to be planted in the body of Christ? What does it mean to be planted in the church? Well, I love the way the psalmist writes it in Psalm 92, beginning in verse 12. He writes, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. And so he writes there that the godly will flourish. They will thrive because they are planted in the right place. When we have deep roots into the church, when we do more than just stop by on Sundays, we will thrive. We will flourish. But if we just go to church and then we go home and we say, I've accomplished what I set out to do, we will find ourselves floundering spiritually. We'll find ourselves saying, I'm not growing and I can't figure out why. And we end up spiritually dry. It's kind of like that thing I did as a kid in science class. You probably did too that project where I don't even remember how old you were, but where you first start to understand how plants grow. And so everybody gets a seed. 
and you get to plant your seed, and every day you come back and you watch, and you, you hope that at some point you're going to see something pop up out of the dirt, because you're learning this is how a plant grows. It starts with this, this tiny little seed. And I remember the excitement when that little green, tiny little piece of the stem would pop up out of there, and the, the first leaf that would show up, or whatever it was that you planted, and eventually would grow into whatever it was, and it was the beginning of our understanding of how plants grow. But imagine with me if instead of planting that seed in your little cup of dirt, imagine if you had stuck that seed in your pocket instead. And each day when you came into school, you stuck that seed in the dirt for a few minutes. But before leaving for the day, you took the seed back out of the dirt, you shook it off, and you stuck it back in your pocket until the next day. That's how a lot of us do or have done church. We plan ourselves for an hour a week, and then we shake off the dirt and go on with our day. Go on with our week. And then Sunday rolls around again and we jump back in the dirt for an hour. Now, I'm not that good with planting and growing things, but I don't think that would have worked for my seed to be in my pocket most of the time. And I know that if we want to follow Jesus that way, we won't flourish. In Matthew 13, Jesus told a parable. Uh, I love these. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he told this one about seeds, about planting. Jesus talked about a farmer who who put seed out. He just kind of threw the seed out, and it landed on four different types of soil and turned out in four different ways. Some of the seed fell on a walking path, which was hard ground, so the seed couldn't take root. And actually, because it sat on top of the ground, the birds came and they ate it. And so the seed couldn't take root. The seed never got the chance to reach its potential. It never got the chance to become what it was supposed to be. Other seed fell in shallow, rocky soil, probably a lot like the soil you may find in your backyard around here, but it it, it just wouldn't grow because the soil was so rocky and it couldn't grow down. It couldn't grow its roots deep. And so when the sun came out, it scorched it and it died. Some fell in more fertile soil that was already occupied by other plants that had thorns. And when it started to grow up, the thorny plants choked out the newly growing plants. In life, Jesus called those thorny plants the worries and the fears of this life. Those seeds, they're they're people. And like the seeds, all people have potential, spiritually speaking, but some never go anywhere because they land in the wrong kind of soil. Some start to grow, even grow quickly, but are never truly able to develop roots. Some start to thrive spiritually, but then the thorns of worry choke them out and they fade away. But Jesus says this about the fourth kind of seed, the seed that fell on fertile soil. In Matthew 13, 80, he said, still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted, as had been planted. And then in explaining it just a few verses later in verse 23, he said, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. See, you can only grow if you develop roots, and you can only develop roots if you are planted in the right place. When it comes to growing roots into the church, you can't do that by just stopping by on Sunday. It won't work. You can't do that by just going to church. It won't work. It may seem like it's working. It may feel like it's working for a while. You may even convince yourself that it's good enough, but it's not. You see, we don't gather to check church off of our list. We can't, because if that's what it's about, then I think we should probably stop meeting. 
But if instead it's about being unified, it's about honoring God together, it's about corporately sharing in God's word and in worship, it's about using our gifts but also being strengthened to then go and use those same gifts out in the world and continue to use those gifts for God's purposes, then we're on to something. Because ultimately the church does not exist for us. And that may be painful for some of us to hear and difficult for some of us to accept, but it's the way that it needs to be. It's the way that it is. In fact, Rochelle said it this way, when we are planted, we are not spiritual consumers anymore. When we're followers of Jesus Christ, we realize that we are the church and that we as the church exist for the world. And when that's our perspective, and that is the perspective we need to have, but when that's our perspective, we realize that it can't be about us because we already know Jesus. And there's a big difference between going to a building once a week and being plugged into a calling, a movement, and a mission, God's mission. And so we need to be planted. We need to be planted so that we can put down roots. We need to do more than just stop by a physical place and instead be part of a body. And those roots, they grow through personal study and time with God, but they also grow through things like life groups and serving and other connection points and being more than just a Sunday drop-by part of the church. In Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning in verse 5, This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. You see, we cannot afford to miss how important roots are to our spiritual health. When we have roots... In the church, in God's family, we won't be bothered by spiritual heat or spiritual drought because our roots are in God. They're in his church and we can withstand more than we ever could on our own. Which is, again, why we need to do more than just stop by the physical church building once a week, but instead become a part of the interconnectedness of being the church. Because I can assure you that this week you'll face trials, you will face opposition, you will have struggles, you will have setbacks. I'm sorry to be a downer, but, but it's likely for you and for me that this week won't be all roses. It won't be all peachy. It won't be all wonderful because life can be difficult. And if you face those things alone, you will find yourself more vulnerable. If you face those things alone, you'll find it easier to rely only on your own strength instead of God's. If you face those things alone, you'll find it easier to give up or give in. But by growing roots into God's church, we are never alone because we have one another for support in the good times and in the vulnerable ones. And some people think that's what they'll get if they just go to church once a week, that they'll get support, and that's why they want to be a part of it. But the truth is, we're not supposed to view the church as a thing separate from us that can be there for us in a time of need. We're a part of the church, and we, the church, are to be there for one another, the church. And our roots give us the strength to support one another in all circumstances. Because when we're planted, we grow roots. And when we have roots, 
We can remain strong. And then when we grow roots, we can produce fruit. Both of those passages we've read from the Old Testament about being planted, including this idea of producing fruit ongoing. In fact, the, the psalm passage even said, into old age, continuing to produce fruit. And Paul talked about the fruit we should be producing in Galatians. In chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And see, when we're planted in God's family, when we're interconnected and our roots have grown deep, God's Spirit will produce these things in our lives. And when you're planted and the roots have grown deep, even if you're in a difficult time, even if life is particularly difficult for a season, you realize that, that these, these fruits, they still come out. They still show up. That love still comes out. That joy still comes out. That self-control and peace, even in the midst of struggle, are still flowing out of you. And you're saying, I don't know how this is possible because I feel like I've got nothing left. But if you are connected to God and to his church, he'll be flowing through you. And you realize that it's not because of anything you did, but it's because God is with you. And you realize that in that, that fruit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things, that becomes attractive to other people as well, that it becomes contagious, and your joy inspires others to keep on keeping on, and your self-control shows others just how powerful God can be in us. And in that, you see that when you're planted, when your roots are deep, it can make a difference in the lives of those who aren't planted, in the lives of those whose roots aren't deep, because they see that and they say, how in the world is that possible? In your sorrow, how are you still joyful? In chaos, how are you still peaceful? When someone sees the fruit of the Spirit in your life, even when you are struggling, even when life is difficult, there is something about that that is more appealing to them than anything you ever say about God could be. You could be the most persuasive speaker with all of the answers, but those answers could be easily ignored, could be easily dismissed. But seeing love come out of a person in crisis seeing joy in the midst of sorrow, seeing peace in the midst of chaos, when someone sees those things in you, it is hard to ignore. It is hard to ignore, and it's something most people would want to know more about. And if they ask, it's God. It's being planted in His church. It's growing roots and relying on one another, and it's realizing that God is in control. Those fruits when they're growing in your life, could in fact change someone else's life, could point them to God. That fruit, it's something people don't know that they want, don't know that they need, but when they see it in the life of a believer, some of them will get to the point where they say, man, I need to figure this out. I need to know where they got that. I need to understand how they got to that point where they found the source for that kind of strength. And I can tell you for sure that you won't bear that kind of fruit if you just go to church, if you just stop by on Sunday. You see, I don't, I don't ever want this to become just a place that we go to on Sunday because this was never meant to be a place you just go to on Sunday. We need to believe and know this isn't just a place I go. This is a family I belong to. 
This is a family I need and that needs me. God has called us to do certain things, and one of those things is to be part of his family, to be planted as a part of his church, to grow our roots deep so that we're not just saved from our sins, but saved for a purpose. The purpose of making a difference in a lost world. There is such a difference between going to church and being planted in God's church. One flounders while the other flourishes. One lives week to week while the other makes a difference day to day. One is stagnant while the other grows. And it should be pretty clear which one we need to do. And it should be pretty clear if we've been leading the other way. But here's the challenge for each of us tonight. Stop going to church. Wherever you are, take the step you need to take toward being the church, toward planting yourself as a part of the church, toward growing your roots deeper into God and His church. Don't just come by and observe, but dive in deep. Join a life group, serve, make some friends, drink some coffee in the lobby together. That's why I love what our Arkansas friends are doing. Yes, they, they stop by once a week and watch us live on video, but that's not all they're doing. They are doing life together. They are spending time together. They are bringing a lot of these ideas into their fellowship by making it more than just an appointment time to listen to me talk for 30 minutes. And instead, they're connecting and supporting one another and growing deeper in their faith together. Planting yourself can take time. Growing roots can take time. Growth absolutely takes time. Sometimes we get impatient and we say, you know, I tried a life group once six years ago and it didn't go well. I didn't like it. So I'll never try one again. Here's the thing. Maybe it was the wrong group. Maybe you didn't give it enough time. Sometimes we get impatient and we say, I, I served once and it went really poorly. <laughs> you know, I, I worked in kids ministry and they couldn't stand me and I ended up duct taped to the wall and I didn't know what was going on and right? Kids are crazy sometimes. Maybe that's not the place you need to serve. Maybe there's another way that you can serve, but we say, you know, it didn't go well, so I'm never going to do it again. Maybe it wasn't a good fit for your skills, for your talents, for your passions. Maybe it was just not the right time for you to start serving. Even though growth, planting ourselves into the church, even though it won't happen overnight, we can take a step today toward growth by taking, taking a step away from just going to church. Don't allow yourself to stay on the edges of New Life Christian Church. Don't allow yourself to just stop by on Sunday, but join the mission. Because there are lost people dying every day without knowing Jesus, and I believe we can do something about that. There are hungry people all over our community, and I believe we can do something about that. There are kids with no father or with no mother or with no family at all right here in our community, and I believe we can do something about that. I believe God wants us to be a light in a dark place, to meet needs in our community, to make a difference in our community, to reach the lost in our community, to develop leaders and send them out into the community, to make a difference in the name of Jesus and to point people to the God who loves them, who sent that Jesus to be their Savior, to die for them, that they could be forgiven and have eternal life. There is no more important mission that we could have, no more important journey we could be on together. Don't be satisfied with being on the edges of it. Don't be satisfied with contributing occasionally to it. Don't be satisfied with watching. Plant yourself here, grow roots, 
And let's produce the kind of fruit that can point people to God. We have what a lost world needs. And together we have the opportunity to take them the most important message they will ever hear. I don't want to go without you, but we're going either way. We need to do this together. If you've, ever, uh, if you've been on the edges, if you've been partially engaged, if you've been watching from the sidelines, stop going to church. And let's be what God has called us to be as his church. My favorite illustration about this comes from my, my own youth pastor growing up. He would tell this regularly because he, just, he wanted us to understand that it wasn't just about showing up and being there. And so he said, I want you to imagine that I make the best macaroni and cheese in the world. Now, here's the problem with that illustration for me. I don't like macaroni and cheese. And I understand some of you just lost respect for me, and that's okay. It's okay. So I would listen to this story, and while I understood what he was saying, I don't like macaroni and cheese. But I'll stick with macaroni and cheese, because from your reaction, most of you seem to like it. And from church dinners, most of you seem to like it, because it goes like that. So let's imagine that I make the absolute best macaroni and cheese in town. And I serve it at New Life Christian Church once a week. And you love macaroni and cheese. In fact, you're pretty sure that if given the opportunity, you could subsist solely on macaroni and cheese. And so you come that one day a week, and you eat as much macaroni and cheese as humanly possible. You, I mean, you just, you just love the macaroni and cheese. Seconds, thirds, fourths, whatever you can get. But only when it's served that one day. And the rest of the week, you spend a lot of time thinking, you know, it'd be nice if I could have some more macaroni and cheese, but I'll, I guess I can wait till Sunday. And, and you feel that need, and, and by Friday you're like, boy, I really, I'm hungry, and I need some macaroni and cheese. And so Sunday comes, and you're excited again. And you come, and you get that delicious macaroni and cheese. If that's the way you continue to function, the only time you're going to get delicious macaroni and cheese is that one day a week. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. But if you want more... Something has to change. Maybe, maybe you can be a part of making the mac and cheese. Maybe you can learn. Instead of just eating it, you, you can help prepare it. You can help distribute it. You can be a part of the macaroni and cheese amazingness. Instead of just being a consumer. And the cool thing is, the, the more you know about it, and the more you help, and the more you're a part of the macaroni and cheese process, the more macaroni and cheese you get to eat. <laughs> the more you get to enjoy it. And when there's leftovers, you get to take it home. And you know what? You've actually learned how to make it, so you can make it at home. You can get your own macaroni and cheese going and share it with your neighbors. And tell them about the macaroni and cheese and serve them the macaroni and cheese, and then they get excited about the macaroni and cheese. You see, the macaroni and cheese is, is the message of Jesus Christ. I really do have the greatest message in the world. We share it from this stage every single Sunday. And if that's all the farther you want to go with it, that's okay. But it shouldn't be. That message should be something you want every single day. and something you should want to be a part of and want to take home and share with your neighbors. Something you want to dive into on your own, not just when I serve it up. This isn't a macaroni and cheese restaurant. It's a place where we gather and we study the word, but then we take it out into the world. We share the greatest message that the people in our lives could ever hear. 
Sometimes I'm afraid we're, we're guilty of either hogging the mac and cheese or being content with where we are. And I don't want to find ourselves in a place where we come here and get fed and we go home full and that's where it ends. It's never how this was meant to be. We were never meant to go to church like we go to a restaurant. We were never meant to go to church like we go to the store. We have a responsibility to be the church and to be that church everywhere we go and to represent Jesus to every person we meet and to spread his message. This was never meant to be something we keep to ourselves. So if all we've been doing is going to church, we got to stop. we got to stop going to church and be what God has called us to be as his church. Let's pray. God, thank you for calling us to more than we usually are willing to do. God, thank you for calling us to growth instead of comfort. And God, thank you for the reminders you give us that that is the case. God, when we're content to come and eat, I would pray that we realize there is more. That you have called us to so much more than being consumers. That you've called us to be your church, your hands and feet, your light. your truth, all of those things that our world needs so badly right now. God, I pray that each of us would look inside ourselves and say, well, what is, what is my step today away from just going to church? What is the step I need to take right now away from just going to church? God, help us to take that step today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.